time for another episode of Behaviour RBNs and we're going with a wee cat theme for the next couple of episodes because I'm speaking to some lovely cat nurses. Uh, In this episode I'm speaking to the lovely Joy from Wales. We talk about so many different cat things, behaviour, veterinary practice etc. So let's have a little listening. Welcome to another episode of Behaviour RVNs and this week I'm speaking to the lovely Joy. Joy is also a registered veterinary nurse who I've met at many congresses etc. Joy welcome, how about introducing yourself? Hi Nikki, uh, thanks so much for having me on today, this is very exciting. Um, I am an RVN, I'm based in North Wales, um, I work in a town called Prostatin um, at all pets uh, veterinary surgery there um i'm the cat advocate there as we're a cat friendly clinic um i'm the head nurse and the sort of nurse clinic lead as well um and then as well as that i'm a bvna advocate uh so i volunteer for them getting involved in organizing their cpd um what else do i do so i also mark courses for uh, colorful cpd who um do some non-clinical certificates and diplomas for vets and nurses so i'm marking their nurse uh, consulting certificates and diplomas and uh, then outside of um outside of veterinary um i do have a little uh, dog who's just uh, trotted out of the room you might be able to hear that <laughs> he's like oh it's all about cats um so he's a little schnauzer so i run a schnauzer group uh, north wales schnauzers for schnauzer owners in my area and we meet for walks and that sort of thing um i have a little cat and i keep some snakes as well um but yes that's me in a nutshell that's joy in a nutshell. Fantastic. Right. So I've got plenty of catty things I want to discuss with you with regards to behaviour and stuff like that. So um, I have spoken to many other speakers on this podcast about the cat friendly clinic. And I, I'm sorry, people, but I'm just going to keep banging on about this because I do think it is such a super important thing to talk about, to discuss, to promote, because it is such an amazing scheme. How does it work at your end? You said your practice is cat-friendly registered, yeah? Yeah, so um, I'm the cat advocate there, um, and I was in my previous practice as well, which was the first practice I worked at um, in Llandudno, and it was back when I was um, an animal care assistant coming up to being a student veterinary nurse that I got the accreditation uh, there. And then when I moved on to my new uh, practice, once I'd registered, um, my boss sort of gave me one of my tasks was to get the accreditation. So I was like, yep, yeah, been there, done that. I'm your girl. Um, so, yes, as soon as I sort of heard about this. This is a practice, I thought it could really benefit um us it sort of showcased what we offer to cats and their owners um, and how we can improve their experiences so um it works out as uh, applying by an online uh, form so there's loads and loads of questions that you work through um and it asks you uh different uh levels of the um say uh, facilities that you have the services that you offer the equipment your approaches to cats um and then it will give you options they'll grade you bronze silver gold and so you respond to those questions and then you have to back up with uh, photo evidence as well so uh, showing really what your practice is like so the waiting area the wards um, and your uh, cat friendly approach as well Um, and then you send it all off online they review it all and then they will accredit you so um, we are silver level we 
aren't gold mainly because we don't do our out of hours we do outsource to an out of hours emergency provider there's a couple of other things we could probably do if we could but yeah that's the main reason but yeah we're uh, we're a good silver level and we've just been through our re-accreditation so every three years you have to do it all again um because there'll be updates and things just to make sure you're keeping up with everything um so yeah we've just been through that and uh, been re-accredited for this year brilliant so what do you think the benefits are to cats to caregivers to the staff by being a cat friendly practice so i've seen quite a lot of benefits to the cats particularly sort of since i started in this practice we've made quite a lot of changes um i was able to bring in a lot of the international cat care and isfm guidance um and i was able to say it's not just me saying we should do this it's this big organization with all their research and everything and specialists behind this saying that this is a better way you know there is a better way to do things so I think even in my practice I've seen the benefits of cats so um from things like changing how we interact and handle them um there was some inappropriate handling going on when I got there so that was to be addressed and that's uh that was quite easy to um to illustrate to people there's different and better ways to do things. Um, giving cats hides in their kennels, um, that just turned things around straight away. We were able to just make their experience in the wards a lot better. But in the consulting room as well, so I do have a consulting diploma with Colourful CPD, um, who I'm now marking for. And the consulting room is really the place that, yes, we're going to make the experience better for the cats, but we can really target the owners as well. Um, and we can get in there and try and target them before they get there so we can you know if they've had a rough journey we can ask why what's been happening what have they been doing at home how have they bundled the cat into the carrier can we help them out um so we're going right back to the start so before our cats even come through to um you know the examination room or the wards or the theater you know what's happening before that so i think the the cats in the consults have really benefited we're doing um some different approaches we're even the simple thing of using treats more, you know, using treats for dogs is so routine, but now we're getting through stacks and stacks of treats for cats. Uh, we're using blankets, we're using calming approaches. We're, um, you know, just looking at that cat and thinking, what do they need rather than what do I need to get out of this consultation and what do I need to achieve? Um, you know, what do they need as well? Um, so, yeah, I think I've seen quite a difference with uh, the cats. And then that has obviously reflected onto the caregivers um quite a lot i feel like they really have more confidence in us and i feel like they're a bit more reassured that we well basically know what we're doing and that we are respecting their pets their family member as not only a cat in its as its own species but um you know i know you're uh, big on this as well as the individual so we look at their cat and we think about what they need how they're coping and how we can help them and I think the clients really appreciate that um as simple as I had someone who was obviously sort of stressed coming through to my consult room wanted to pull the cat out because she thought that the cat needed to be in position as soon as possible um you know ready for the nail clip as soon as she walked through the door um explained that you know maybe we can take the carrier apart uh, if she feels safer in there, we did that. I popped her on the scales, popped her back in, clipped the nails, put the carrier back together. And the owner almost sighed with relief that, you know, that was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be, she said at the end of the consult. And that really made me happy because I could see the relief in her face 
and I could tell that the cat had coped okay uh, with what had happened. So I thought, oh, she'll feel a lot better now about coming back, back next time. Maybe everything will be slightly easier. Maybe loading the cat into the carrier will be slightly easier. Coming into the practice will be slightly easier because she knows the end result of the consult will be easier and manageable. So I do think that the caregivers recognise what we're doing and they appreciate it. Um, and then I think the staff get a lot more out of it as well. I think we see, you know, we want to see happy cats. You know, my heart hurts a bit if um, if I see a cat that's worried or scared or, um, you know, trying to trying to repel us. They don't want us near them. And, you know, obviously I just want to squeeze them. I know they don't want to be squeezed. But if we can get to, you know, a happy medium in the middle that I can do what I need to do and they're going to cope with it, um, that's what we want to achieve. And I think the staff... Um, do get a lot out of that when they see the cats coping better interacting better and sometimes enjoying a vet visit which is uh, the aim definitely it is quite a lot there to pick apart but it's quite interesting when you're talking about client perception caregiver perception because I've been in exactly the same position where a caregiver has rushed in, it's a nail clip. And sometimes they warn me beforehand that, oh, the last time it was a bit of a disaster and it took three people to pin them down. Or sometimes they don't tell me until afterwards and they're like, oh, that's completely different from the last time where it took three people to pin the cat down. And I'm just like, there's no need. If we can appreciate the cat's natural instinct is to be in control and to give them that control by allowing them to come out the carrier themselves, allowing them to walk around if they want to, or having the pheromones to relax them. It makes it so much easier, doesn't it? Absolutely. I think I've picked up a few, you know, hints and tips over the last sort of few years when I've been looking at this a bit more. And um, Sarah Heath obviously came up with a gem at um, BSAVA. I think it was... 2022 I think it was when they did whole streams on behavior that year um and you know they were talking about uh using anxiolytics and everyone now is, is jumping on that and they're great and so beneficial but she made such a good point that the clues in the name and is that cat anxious or does it just want to jump off the table because it's a little bit frustrated about staying on the table and it actually prefers to explore its boundaries explore the whole room check everything out look you know, look around its surroundings from a different perspective. And um, that has really made a difference. You know, the the examination table is not the only part of the consulting room and it's not the only part of the cat's environment when it comes to the vets. And that made sort of a big difference. So I found that some cats cope a lot better if we let them explore first. And then you can either go and see them wherever they've sat down for a little wash or you can bring them back to the table if you want to. And they're a bit more settled about things and... Um, yeah, that, that's just made a big difference, thinking about what that cat is actually feeling, what they need to do to cope. And then it means that our consults and, well, a lot of things we do with cats are often more successful. Definitely. You're probably like me. You've probably done many an uh, examination of a cat when it's sitting in a sink. And you're just and the client looks at you as if to say, what on earth? And you're like, the cat's happy. Just leave it be. It's comfortable. It feels in control. You were talking about um, cat carriers as well with um, caregivers. Do you find the variety of cat carriers out there are not behaviorally acceptable to the cat? And that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, cat carriers are 
a thing of mine and I have to be I have to put my um caregiver facing positive spin on everything in the in the consulting room even though what I want to just take it outside and put it in the bin um we're just gonna talk about maybe why this one is suboptimal and what an optimal carrier would allow us to do better or allow the cat to experience things differently um my top hates are probably the wicker baskets with the circular front yeah uh, we had a particularly um particularly difficult cat to extract from that basket and she was a, a liver disease cat we want to take bloods from her so we're starting out by you know really struggling to get her out of the carrier it sets us up really well for taking blood samples um and then the others are probably the backpack style with the clear front um not ideal um they're just so exposed and nowhere to hide and people think that they want to look around I'm guessing most of them don't I really am so um there's those and then I like the cage style carriers with the top uh, opening lid but so many people bring them um without any covers without any privacy um they feel completely exposed and then they'll put them on the floor at the reception desk and my heart's beating and um yeah I have to step in so uh, they're probably the top three bugbears I would say there's probably more but or maybe <laughs> the canvas ones that collapse as soon as you open the zip mm. those as well so yeah I like a good sturdy plastic carrier preferably two openings front and top but it's just something that you can take the lid off and it makes a massive massive difference it really does and I love those uh, ones that have come out the last few years that have the slidey out base I can't remember what they're called but they look pretty good as well so we don't have to do any dismantling we can just slide straight out and then pop a little towel over if we want to provide somewhere for them to hide so they look great as well but yeah there's there's so much on the market and it's it's usually what the owners want so is it small um tick is it collapsible tick is it not going to take up you know loads of room can I fit it you know on a shelf in the garage or up in the loft um they're just not they don't think the same way as we do so um there's lots of ways we can um educate them and educate them about the benefits of the carrier that we're recommending international cat care also with the cat friendly clinic scheme have uh client handouts so there's a great one called uh bringing your cat to the vets I think and that goes through carriers on there as well so quite often I will give them one of them because again it's not just me saying it it's international cat care you're a big you know world-renowned organization they're they're saying it so it's not just me um I'm backing myself up with the uh with the big guns usually definitely it's funny you're talking about that new cat carrier I was like oh my goodness that looks awesome and the only sort of minor bugbear I've got about it is it the bottom slides out with the cat on it rather than the top sliding away from the cat. So the cat is moving. Which, That's a good point, yeah. Which I thought, oh, that might make some cats a little bit feel uncomfortable. It would have been so much nicer if they'd done it where if when you unclip it, the top slides, but the actual base stays still. So, yes. but the base is within the whole thing. So you actually, you're pulling like, almost like a baking tree sort of thing you're pulling the cat out on the baking tree and I thought mm, some cats might not like that but I like their thinking um yes, it's nearly there it's, it's nearly, nearly there. there yeah backpacks backpacks are a huge bugbear for me um and I've had this, this discussion with 
um, caregivers and one lovely lady and she comes she specifically now only comes to see me um brought her first kitten in in one of those bubble backpacks and very politely and explained to her that cat doesn't feel very comfortable if he was very exposed very open etc she came in the next time with a brand new backpack which was like the huge ones where the cat had more more space but it was all covered it was all enclosed and I was just like my goodness that's so fantastic but it's been interesting I recently had a visit to London Cat Clinic and we were talking about cat carriers there and they were saying that obviously a lot of their clientele are a students and b coming on public transport and of course students prefer the backpacks and they prefer it for coming on public transport and rather than trying to carry an actual carrier um so it's quite interesting to note how different demographics and different areas can bring about different ways of thinking for this i mean definitely i would say absolutely don't go down the bubble route but at least if they're having a decent backpack it might not be as bad so do you see a lot of these different kind of backpacks and bubble like space ship almost type things in your practice or are you very much sort of seeing the the what the wire baskets or the and the very occasional wicker basket let's just not go down that route Yeah, so we don't see too many of the backpacks. Um, We've probably seen a few more recently, but I feel like social media doesn't help um, matters. Um, But yeah, yeah, they usually are younger owners um, who bring them, um, but not too many of them. Because of where I live um, on the North Wales coast, we we do have the wicker baskets more than um, (laughs) than decent baskets, to be honest, um, because of our sort of, older demographic in this area rather than um students um so yeah thankfully not too many backpacks but lots of the the canvas ones i think are really popular because they collapse um when they go home and they just put them away rather than leaving them out and and um having them sort of accessible and um the cats getting used to them and using them potentially as beds play areas feeding areas being more accepting of them it's just for the vet visit and then they're collapsed and and away they go again um so yeah canvas ones i think and wicker but um i'll usually praise people if they have a good carrier um so i'll um yeah i'll let them know that they've done you know that they've done a good job and where did you find it and that sort of thing so i've had a couple of clients um they're usually i'll be honest my sort of obesity clinic clients that the cats are larger and the carriers are small um and i have recommended larger carriers and they've said that the cat that that the cats have traveled better to the vets after investing in a in a largest third year carrier because obviously they're coming every sort of four weeks for rechecks with me so the cat's got to be comfortable um and you know accepting of traveling so the owners have seen the difference we also had another one um i think i've got some pictures of her on my instagram somewhere a little ginger cat there were warnings, you know, all over the patient file as it is that someone's had a difficult time with her previously. I think it was for a first vaccine and um, it was during COVID. So uh, my head nurse at the time and myself were seeing her and the owners said that they had taken on board the recommendation from the first vaccine. They changed her carrier. She travelled much better. And then she was a cat that needed to explore the room. So we let her explore the room. We offered her hand. She was jumping up, head bumps, 
Um, she didn't like Licky Licks, but she liked Dreamies. So we found that, yeah, we had options available, Dreamies, and we just um, we just vaccinated her with no problem. We had a towel ready in case, didn't need that. Um, so for her, that carrier was actually pretty instrumental in making the whole consult better, like I said before. So it's just when they take on our advice and it works, it's, yeah, it's great. It's just a great little feeling. And you can see the clients are, or the caregivers are less stressed as well they're pleased so you kind of feel like well if they take on that bit of information and that bit of recommendation and it works hopefully they they'll then you know they'll build the trust in us and they'll listen to us in future and um yeah it's just all little parts of building that bond with the caregivers and that's when you close the door of the consultation room and go yes once they leave because you're so happy that everything has worked out brilliantly and then when you go into the wards you were talking about cat hides explain why cat for those that don't know that are not as gened up on it as we are why are a cat why is a cat hide suitable or more suitable than not in in the cat kennel itself yeah so they've just they've been brought away from their territory we know cats are territorial they have their core territory at home. They've been brought out of that into a completely new territory. And then they've been put in this little little scary box with them, or hopefully not too little and scary if you've got really great kennels. Um, and then you've got strangers walking past all the time, the smell of other cats, all sorts of things going on. Um, and cats want to get away from what they find scary and worrying. And they'll do that by um, running away is probably or increasing the distance between them and what they don't like. That's probably number one. Number two, if they can't run away, might be to uh, freeze or um, try and hide. And then number three would be sort of to repel. And um, that's when they will make themselves look a bit scary for you to think, oh, I'm not going near that. I'm going to I'm going to go away. So just to offer them that option to hide um, just means that you're we're catering to that need whilst being able to keep them in a kennel. So we're sort of meeting them halfway. Like we do need to keep you contained in here. Um, you know, you're here for treatment or you're here for observation, um, but you know, we're gonna let you hide. So they're not being looked at. They just feel vulnerable. You know, they're predators, but they're also vulnerable. Um, there are bigger predators than them. So they're gonna worry about that. Um, and yeah, it just means that they've got their own space, privacy, they don't have to um they don't have to worry about who's approaching all the time they've got their own little um their own little space and we tend to our practice if we want to do anything with them um we will remove them from that space to do anything and then pop them back so i know that different people do things different ways but we count that as their safe space so we try to remove them from the kennels um and then we'll have a little exam table in the same room out of view of the kennels or an exam area and then do what we need to and then they go back in and that hide is sort of their own space yes we do need to remove them from it but we don't do anything um that they're not gonna um like in that space you know we won't pre-med them or medicate them or anything like that in in their kennel in their hide and that's that's then putting yourself in the the space of the cat and thinking right well if I'm going to get jagged here I'm not going to come back here and feel comfortable so that's absolutely brilliant thinking um Going in the same sort of theme, obviously, you've said that you're a cat-friendly vet professional, um, which is probably where you've picked up a lot of these tips from. Explain what that is to people that don't know. Yeah, so it's a, a little course that ISFM offer, 
Um, I did it during uh, 2020 when it was basically the year of CPD for me, um, being on furlough. I basically, um, I walked the dog because we lived right near the beach. I reread Harry Potter and I did loads of CPD. Um, so I um, I did the cat-friendly uh, cat vet professional course. It's nine hours of CPD. And I think it's really reasonably priced. It also gives you 33 points if you're an SQP or a registered animal medicines advisor. And um, so I did that as well. And um, yeah, it's just a really good, it's like the underpinning knowledge for starting out as a cat friendly um, vet professional. So it, it starts with the basics. So the origins of cats, which is where all of our knowledge really sort of stems from going into basic cat behavior, then looking at cat handling and interaction, communicating with clients again is a big one in there. And then it looks at the cat friendly clinic scheme uh, as well. So yeah, it's just, if you can't afford either the, the course fees or the time to do a bigger um, qualification, it's a really good basis for if you want to be that person in practice who is standing up for the cats, which I've basically, yeah, always been. So that uh, that course was for me. So yeah, it just, it gives you all the basics that you need to know. You can take back to practice and you can, see, you just look at things with sort of fresh eyes once you've done a bit of uh, cat behavior and the ISFM CPD. Um, and you can see where you want to make improvements in your practice. But yeah, you don't have to, uh, you've spoken to so many amazing people on your podcast already that have done amazing things and great things with their careers they've got lots of letters after the name but we don't need that to make differences to cats in practice so i just think it's a really good cpd course for that um you know it should be if you get a cpd budget it should be well within your budget it's manageable and um yeah i think it's a really good starting point if you think i want to make changes for cats in my practice but i'm not sure where to start I definitely go for it. Definitely. And the good thing is they've also got the equivalent for like receptionists as well. So you, because it's a team effort to be cat friendly in general, regardless of whether you have the cat friendly clinic status or not, you can, it really needs to be a team effort. It can't be the one person standing and shouting like sometimes it can be. You need the backup of your team and the vet professional and the vet receptionist um, little schemes that they have. It's just absolutely fantastic. And then also you are BVNA advocate. Explain to us about that one. Yeah, so um also in 2020, um I uh, started volunteering with BVNA. So previously um I had volunteered with Cats Protection after working with them for a couple of years after my um bioventory science degree. So just going back a little bit, um, I'd done two years in the Wrexham Adoption Centre, which was amazing. Um, but I realized that I wanted them to get into veterinary. So rather than leave CP because they're just an amazing charity, um, I decided to volunteer for them and become the welfare team leader um, of my local branch. So I did that for six years. But then the branch eventually dwindled and then COVID happened and, you know, all our volunteers sort of started dropping off. The branch wasn't really feasible to keep going volunteer-led. So that went under the care of the Adoption Centre. So there was a bit of a gap in my life. And then they started, um, BVNA started advertising more to get some more regional representatives on board. So these are nurses sort of stationed around the UK um, who would be organising CPD in their areas or online. Um, at that time, it was mainly online because of COVID and we couldn't meet in person. Um, so, yeah, so I started with them then. 
And then last year, um, we have sort of evolved from a big group of regional representatives into a smaller group of BVNA advocates. So there are now six of us. We were all previously reps, um, so the numbers of have just sort of condensed a bit and we're all sort of we're working together as a team but also individually so our role is to plan and organize the cpd for bvna through the year um but except uh, everything except congress basically um and the uh, learning pathways they are those are sort of bigger chunks of cpd that are organized by the main team um but we will organize in-person events in our areas and um, online webinars as well. So I've got a webinar in March um, on rabbits and guinea pigs and some anaesthesia considerations, perioperative um, ideas for them. And I've got a cardiology evening at my place of work in May and then looking to do maybe a sort of day session later in the year on sort of bo boosting nursing skills. So I might do a little bit of confident consulting and cat friendly sort of thing um during that but yeah we're sort of all we're working together to uh, create the cpd but we're sort of doing it fairly individually at the moment but yeah it's amazing to be involved and we can also we're involved with congress as well so we do a bit chairing there so we'll uh, sort of lead the sessions and introduce the speakers and take questions and things so yeah it's really great to be involved with that which is obviously the best congress that there is Absolutely. so um yeah every october um i've been for yeah the good past few years i think i went first as an animal care assistant and then i've tried to go every year since so yeah i'm i'm a nerd so wanted to um wanted to just get involved straight away and i thought this is amazing so when the volunteer role came up i was there um so yeah the bvn advocate role i think is still developing a little bit um but yeah we're trying to get stuck in with plans for this year and it's coming together brilliant so, yeah, it's going well. congress for you last year was a first as well oh yeah so um, <laughs> i was um very gratefully asked to speak at the 50th anniversary of congress which is fab um and i did basically weight management or obesity clinics whatever you'd like to call them um looking at cats and dogs so yeah i spoke there in the consulting stream along with yourself and it was a yeah really big honor and I had so much really great feedback afterwards I didn't think I would I kind of put my Instagram out there I put my email out there saying if you want any support let me know didn't really expect much and then I just got loads of messages and emails saying this is amazing can you send me this can you send me that so I sent out some resources to help people and um, yeah I got loads of really good feedback and wasn't it scary being on that big stage? Because <laughs> I too was doing yeah. the Congress for the first time um, right after your uh, lecture. And it was so scary being up there. But wasn't it so empowering to spread the word? And then, as you say, like yourself, I got amazing feedback afterwards. And it was just a fantastic experience. Yeah, I felt scared when I was waiting to start. And I was looking over at my chair uh, Rhiannon who is so lovely and supportive and she was so calming and I was looking over at her like this is really happening um and once I got into it after about five ten minutes there was no stopping me and it was great it was really great and just looking at all the faces like nodding along with me or taking pictures of the slides and thinking people actually want to know like what I what I'm saying because you know you just get that imposter syndrome creeping in like what on earth am I doing stood up here um you know at a congress that I've come to loads of times and I've seen you know all the big names speak at um but then afterwards 
everyone's like, oh, this is great. I really enjoyed it. Can you know, can you help me with this that, and the other? So I thought people want to know what I have to say, which was, um, yeah, really great and empowering, like you say. Definitely. And talking of congresses, I mean, I, I met you at the ISFM congresses and nursing days that they have. So why, if if you're like me, which I know you are, why do you go to them all? What, what are you hoping to um, take from the congresses that you go to? Yeah, I think I just, I really like in-person um, events because I feel like you're with like-minded people. And I always feel like you feel again empowered but also sort of inspired at the end of it but I particularly like the ISFM days which I'm really hoping that they're going to bring back because they haven't really done one since we met at that 2020 and then halfway through the second day everyone was going home because we were going into lockdown mm-hmm. and um yeah I'm just really looking forward to doing another one because I can't again I can't quite afford or manage to get to their big congresses so these nursing days are really great but yeah it's the vibe that you get and I feel like with the ISFM ones, I feel like everyone's there actually for the cats. Like they're not there for themselves. They're not actually there for the CPD hours. Like, yes, that's a great bonus. But people are there for the cats and they want to improve the service and care that they can give to their feline patients, which is kind of why I'm there as well. Um, so you kind of, yeah, you feel like people are really are really into it. But yeah, I tend to go to BSABA now. Now it's moved to Manchester. So I've been the last couple of years. That's really accessible. Um, was thinking about London Metro, but again, it's a little bit of a stretch, but I might, um, I was maybe going to see if I could go with BVNA one year and sort of and chair for them because they run a nursing stream there. Um, and yeah, BVNA obviously is um, is amazing. But yeah, I just love the feel of cat nurses getting together and just loving it. And um, yeah, that last one we went to was was really great. But yeah, I think that's it. I think it's the up-to-date knowledge as well. So they, ISFM in particular, always get the leaders. So you always get the leaders in feline behavior and medicine and they bring, you know, their A-game. They bring the most up-to-date knowledge, all the research that you want. And yeah, it's just always inspiring. There's always something that you can take back to practice and tell the rest of the team and implement um, in your you know in your practices running definitely and it's it, I'm, I'm like yourself I, I do so so much CPD but it's it's so nice to feel like you're not the only one because sometimes you when you're only working within your your own practice and everybody has their own different opinions on how much they want to learn how much they want to do but when you go to things like ISFM BVNA and you feel part of a team in the profession because there is other people there that are interested want to learn want to do better um and definitely when it comes to behavior as well there's so much good cpd out there that we're obviously um planning to do some more at bvna congress this year as well which is absolutely fantastic but also when it comes to online your socials are very educational as well um let's have a wee chat about your social media accounts that you have and what behavior topics that you like to discuss online on your socials yeah so it's mainly on instagram now and again i'll share a few bits and bobs on facebook but um yeah it start it sort of kicked off in covid again because all this free time what am i gonna do and then you know you see um other nurses being amazing and sharing all this content, educational content, mainly for other nurses, really. Um, that's sort of what struck me that there was nurses um, 
sort of uh, campaigning for the development and inspiration of other nurses. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's something I could get involved with because I just want to share my um, my sort of love for cats and everything about making their experience better at the vets. Or I can tell other nurses about this because you sort of you sometimes feel like everyone knows it because you know it and you a bit like you've said you know we go to all these congresses and we feel part of a team so you know probably everyone knows this but actually people really don't so if you can just share a little a little tip here and there or what you've learned then it can actually really um change things for the people whether they've been in practice a long time or whether they're a student or um, an auxiliary um you know just these little tips can really help so i started out doing some uh, pretty posts with um you know looking at studies and looking at um this organization says this but then that was on furlough <laughs> so um i got quite a lot done then i looked at some uh, clinics as well some diabetes clinics obesity clinics how to run them um which i got a lot of good feedback from when i went back into work full time found that obviously a little bit difficult to keep up with and the inspiration um and spending time sort of creating the posts but now i just find it's useful to pick up on things that i see in practice or that I see happening around sort of on social media generally. So if in practice I've had a little cat come in and I've had a particularly um, interesting consultation, for example, the one uh, with taking the carrier apart and the, the caregiver was much happier, or if we've had a little cat that was terrified and we managed to take a blood sample by doing X, Y, Z, I'll just share what we've what we did what we found works and why and then if that could help someone else do that with one of their feline patients then great um and then yeah just little little things so um if i'm on a consulting day or if i'm doing blood pressure i'll just drop in some some tips about blood pressure and how we can um get the best out of our blood pressure sessions what we could do with our cat waiting room um what new things i've done in my practice um what displays i've put up or who i've seen in a consult yeah anything like that really so i'm taking it more kind of like week by week and do i come across something interesting that i can just drop some little hints and tips to the rest of the nursing world about um i also just use it generally um for sort of personal things my you'll find my cat on there um i'll use her for <laughs> for posts and um, a few dog bits here and there as well, and to share some BBNA events. But yeah, I'll just I'll keep an eye out what's happening around social media. A lot of um, American sort of accounts will jump on the TikTok trends, and um, some of it's not always in the best. It comes from a good place. Sometimes, what they're actually saying might not be in the best interest of cats if people take it literally. Um, so maybe some uh, videos in jest about cats that are a bit worried cats with interesting behavior that they like to call spicy i might jump oh. on and just give my um just give my opinion on this apologies that's my dog coming back in um i might just give my opinion just because some people might take it literally um and just might misunderstand a little bit even though the person making the video doesn't mean it that way um so i just like to go on and just look at it from a slightly different perspective look at it from the cat's perspective and what actually these um what these videos might result in um and just sort of bring it back to reality a little bit 
and um you know sometimes people might think I'm the fun police but you know I do it for the cats <laughs> ditto especially when it comes to spicy <laughs> it's yeah that's definitely one of my bugbears it's actually quite interesting I don't know if you've seen it yet but um Lucy Hoyle shared a um, video today of a guy absolutely well-meaning, absolutely adores his kitten, but he's trying to clip the nails of the kitten. And he's been told that, and it's a TikTok thing. And again, like you, I'm not hugely into the TikTok things, but because I see there's so many bad information on there. But this guy, well-meaning, um, had been told by another TikToker to bite the back of his kitten's neck to then clip the cat's nails and of course it worked and he's like oh my goodness she's so calm look how brilliant she is and you and me and every other cat person out there will look at it and be absolutely horrified that this clipnosis style of handling actually just puts the cat into learned helplessness so it's not actually going to do anything good for the cat's emotional health so I can totally see where you're coming from with the TikTok scenario. Um, but one good thing that does come out of videos, particularly on your Instagram, is when you can look at relationships between cats and dogs. And one video I saw on your own profile was your own cat and your own dog in your home and the cat goes up and owl rubs on the dog. Um, yeah, talk to us about that. I love that video. I think she'd started rubbing on him before I caught the video, I think. Um, and I just managed to catch the best one because I think she goes right up on her back feet, I think, and gives him a real good rub in the chops. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, he has no idea what she's saying. Absolutely no idea. And it's it's fascinating because you know we do all this training and CPD and reading and learning about cat behavior. And then when you see them interact with a dog, it's it's amazing he has no idea what she's doing and it's just great to see and funny to see the difference between dog and cat language it really is and he's so he's so tolerant of her and um it all well it's a long story how I got her um but uh integrating them was a big sort of a big priority of mine to do it right because I've had him since a puppy and I have a cat who lives at my parents' house who he's known since a puppy and there's just something between them that they're always at loggerheads and he'll always chase that cat and he'll always squash him and there's just something between them that they're just always in battle. <laughs> so I was like, oh, am I ever going to be able to have a cat with him? And um, she just seemed really level-headed and seemed quite adaptable. And I thought, no, this can this can work because he is he is trainable. There's just something between him and that other cat that they they just have a vendetta. And um, but because he's trainable, we um, well, I say we I my partner wasn't too keen at the time. Um, surprise, surprise. Um, but uh, I was keen to do it right. So um, she was in her own separate room to start with. And we had a baby gate. And then she would just stay in there. We'd leave the door open and she would see him milling around and he would see her um you know she'd be mooching around and he'd have a little look at her and then we started um we actually started letting him into her space which took me a bit of figuring out whether that was the right thing to do um because I was letting him into her space and when he was smelling her and seeing her 
and he was calm, I was rewarding him. She didn't seem too fussed. She'd be up high sort of watching and just monitoring. And if, you know, I, I was looking out for whether she was particularly worried. Um, and then we would draw her down with treats and he would have to sit and wait, which he's trained to do. And if he is nice and calm while she comes down and enjoys her treat, he gets reward as well. So it was it was all about um, reiterating and um, can't think of the word now. It was all about reinforcing the calmness. That's what it was all about. And then she gradually would come out of that room and maybe they'd be together sort of in the kitchen area, which was next to that room. So she'd be up on the table. And then if she jumped down to go to her room, it was all supervised. Um, we wouldn't leave them together alone. And then if he was nice and calm and left her alone, again, um, positive reinforcement. He's so food driven, so, so food driven that that was quite easy to uh, reward him that way. So it was all based on him being calm in her presence. Um, that was how we did it. And it took months really to get them properly integrated. And then before they were left unsupervised. Um, so, you know, it would start that all of a sudden one day he'd be lying on the sofa and she'd be on the top of the sofa. And I thought, oh, this looks good. Um, you know, he's not bothered about her being on the top of the sofa. She's not bothered about him being there. And then she just slowly creep down onto the sofa and be like, mm, this is good too. And then, you know, within sort of, you know, after a few months from the start, you know, they're lying together on the sofa and she's touching him and he's flat out having a rest and she's, you know, like in a little spoon position. And um, she adores him. She thinks he's amazing because of how, how tolerant he's been. And I don't think he could give two hoots about her. Um, but he's so tolerant because of all the training um, that they've just got a good relationship. They've got a good understanding. Um, but if he catches her, um, you know, in sort of no man's land, you know, the chase is on. But she knows that he won't hurt her. And um, they just catch each other, little playful moments. But other than that, um, yeah, the time really paid off and supervising them. And making sure that he was getting his positive reinforcement when he was being calm um, has really paid off. Um, so, yeah. And then she'll come up to him now if he's, uh, you know, on my lap and she'll put her head right in his face. Like, I'm ready to be groomed. Um, and then he'll give her a nudge. Like, what are you doing? Because, again, he doesn't really fully understand her. But if I give him a little tickle by the ear, he'll start grooming her. So, um, yeah. She she just thinks he's great. I'm definitely bottom of her her um her favorite list because I'm the one that takes her to the vets. I'm the one that cleans her ears. I'm the one that clips her nails. <laughs> Whereas um I think the dog's number one and my partner's number two, and then it's me. But you know oh. that's the life of a of a catman. <laughs> exactly. We live but to uh, we live to serve. We live to serve absolutely. But it's just so wonderful because so many people would go, oh no, you can't have cats and dogs living together in harmony. And it just looking at your videos, it just like warms my little heart to think that no, actually you can do it. But all the hard work that's gone on behind it from yourself, thinking about the behaviour of the specific species for the dog, for the cat, and it, you've done it properly and it's worked wonders. So absolutely well done. So just to finish, I've got one more question. If you were a breed of a dog or a cat, what breed would you be? 
but I'd probably be a rag doll. <laughs> Just like to lie around. I'm fat and lazy, yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I like yeah, I like lying around and having my hair stroked and yeah. And my food made for me and yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it sounds like bliss. <laughs> Joy, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. I absolutely appreciate it. I'm lots of learning going on there as well. And hopefully everybody listening into this will also appreciate everything, all the little tips that they've picked up. So thank you very much, Joy. Thanks for having me, Nikki. Lovely Joy, so good to speak to her, Uh, very inspiring as are all the people that I speak to on this podcast. So continuing with the cat theme and continuing with ISFM and I Cat Care, my next podcast will be with the amazing Alex Taylor, the cat nurse, great title for her because she absolutely is everything cat. So tune in next time for that.